You know I'm gonna get you, yeah, whatever it takes to. Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, are you ready to talk some hockey? Oh, finally. Finally. It is, it is so nice we'll be able to talk about hockey for the next however long. I can, you know me, Adam, and I know you. We could talk about hockey, you and I, for the next five hours. And there will be no end to the conversation. I am so excited to be talking about hockey. You have no, no idea. Yeah, I've always wanted to be on a full-time hockey podcast because hockey is just such a fun sport. You know, some of the stuff like around it is a little boring, but, you know, th- this time of year, especially trade deadline and then in July or in the summer anyway, when it's free agency, best time of the year where you get all the speculation and things of that nature. And now you have these teams adding some teams anyway adding in hopes of a playoff run going to the Stanley cup. So it's just interesting to see what deals go down and what deals didn't go down. Honestly, selling as well. I mean, you look at, you look at the Seattle Kraken, Seattle Kraken have, I believe in the next three or four drafts, they have like 33 draft picks, something ridiculous. They have like a million second round picks also, because they got a bunch for Mark Giordano. Yes. Yeah. And then for, uh, for Kale Yonkrock as, as well. And I think it was Callie, Callie Yonkrock. Oh, is it, is it Callie? I've, I've always known it as Kale. I thought it was Kale, but I guess, you know, Callie would be two L's and then Kale would be one. So that makes sense. Makes sense. Um, but we'll obviously talk more about it uh, when we get deeper into, uh, into the, the pod. But I thought the one thing that was very interesting today was the amount of 2023 uh, picks that were traded around just because I think from what I know and from what I uh, talked to a few people uh, about today was that GMs around the National Hockey League found that there was more value in trading around those 2023 picks because the 2023 draft is going to be so deep versus this 2022 draft. It's going to be, it's going to be like a meh draft in the eyes of like a lot of people, but then 2023 is going to be the draft where, you know, where there'll be a lot of, a lot of really, really good players that'll be, uh, that'll be coming out. So you saw a lot of teams today trading around 2023 picks to kind of load up and potentially, you know, hit a home run in next year's draft, which is supposed to be a lot better than, uh, than, than this one. But before we go into, uh, the trade deadline actually a little bit of announcement that I, that I want to make. And this uh, actually was uh, something that, you know, transpired over the weekend. Um, but for the next month or so, we are changing it up a little bit. Adam is going to be on the basement talk podcast with me. And then Jake is going to be on the fantasy show with me. Uh, doing all of the NFL draft coverage. Uh, we'll be starting that this week. So stay on the lookout for that. And then, of course, Adam and I will have a regular uh, Basement Talk podcast this week. We'll be talking about Mark Madness. We'll be talking about a little baseball as well, because I know, you know, Adam, we're going to, we're very, very different with the baseball opinions. So I'm going to be wearing my Pete Alonso jersey for that recording. And I think I might break out the Alex Rodriguez jersey just to really piss you off. So that really would. That Good. really would. Good. So I think I might actually wear it. But yes, the uh, the the the, annou- the long-awaited announcement is that Adam Castor is now going to be on the Basement Talk podcast for the next month until around like the NFL draft, because then Adam and I will do uh, our annual uh, NFL draft mock well, draft Jake, show. Jake will also be on that. Yes. Yes. Or I'll just have him, or we'll do a mock draft. Just him, or he'll do his mock draft on, a, on an episode of uh, the fantasy show, and then we'll do ours together. I'm not sure that that that'll have to be worked out. We're still we're still like a month away, so there's still plenty of time. But there there are three guarantees in life: Adam, death taxes, and you and I doing a mock draft episode together. So that that will still absolutely 100 happen. But Yes, the uh, just in case, just in case anybody was confused that maybe you're listening to the fantasy show, you're listening to the Basement Talk podcast, and Adam will be on the Basement Talk podcast for the next month. And when I asked him how excited he was to not be talking about football for the next month, he said, "And I quote, 
I am thrilled. Close quote. I am thrilled. It's just, it's boring talking about football because like, listen, I understand. Unpopular take. No, well, boring now. Yes. Talking, okay, fair. Because I'm like. There's nothing going on. There's, not, there's nothing really. That's, well, it's not that there's nothing on. going on because there is a lot going on. And there's a lot that we could talk about. And I'm sure a lot that you and Jake will, will be talking about on the fantasy show. Oh, because there were some trades that happened over the weekend, or yeah. at least in the intervening time between us last recording. But I feel like I'm kind of like ingratiated in that already, like going on Reddit and on Twitter and stuff like that. And like, I don't have anybody to talk hockey or baseball or even college basketball or NBA basketball with. Yeah. So it's nice to uh, kind of have a break. And, yeah. you know, I talk about football on the fantasy show during, during the regular season. That's all I think about is football. Mm-hmm. So, Agreed. It, you know, to avoid burnout, it's nice to have some time off. Yeah. yeah. And you change it up, talk about, talk about different things as talks now with, uh, with the trade deadline. Although I will tell you, I was, t- I was texting you about this earlier today and I was reading the, Urban Meyer piece in the athletic about his uh, tenure with the Jacksonville Jaguars, not sponsored, but yeah, it is so good. I haven't read it yet. It I is not read it schadenfreude. It's I, I will have to read it and then we can discuss it on the, uh, on BTP on Wednesday, because I've, you're about the fifth person. You were the first one. You were the first one that told me about it. But then afterwards, I've had about three or four different people text me and be like, yeah, have you read just how bad this is? And I'm like, no, I haven't read it yet. I think the best part about that article is that they got an active player on the record to talk about Urban Meyer's reign. I mean, he's not on the Jaguars anymore. He signed with another team in free agency. But they got an active player on the record to talk about this. Well, I'm sure there's more than one that has departed the Jaguars for another team in free agency. But the only one that I could think of off the top of my head that was on the Jaguars and then signed with a different team in free agency that I this is all I can name off the top of my head. There's two. There's two. DJ Chark and our good friend on the fantasy show, Dario Gumbawale. So it is DJ Chark. It could be DJ Chark. It could, it could be our good friend Dari. I sh- would choose to believe it's DJ Chark just because our good friend Dario. No, I read the article. Rat. I read the article. It is DJ Chark. Oh, it, he was at, he was named. Yeah. Oh, 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 that's juicy. That's why I said active player on the record. Oh, I thought it was more of that the active player just gave the synopsis to the to the writer it didn't they put a name to any comment oh that is that is very interesting yep oh oh dj shark a little bit of a rat but i like it oh i'm, I'm not very interested to read this to read this article i'm very interested now <laughs> spill the spill the tea dj spill i'm gonna give you i'll give you one little snippet okay which has been like making the rounds kind of online. Well, so I, haven't been Ma- on tw- I haven't been on Twitter since like three 30, at so. least on Reddit, on Reddit posts, posts about the article. So it says that urban Meyer basically did when he was taking his break in between college and then getting his job with the Jaguars, he took like a six month in-depth analysis. Like he went on a deep dive into the NFL, interviewed a lot of his former players from Florida and Ohio state. They're in the league currently. Yeah. And apparently the article says that he didn't know who guys like Debo Samuel, Jamal Adams and Aaron Donald are. What? How? I don't know. How? See, there's a, they quoted him actually, according to a source, They quoted him, and it reads like sarcasm, but I don't know if it's sarcasm. He said, who's this 99 guy on the Rams? I'm hearing he might be a problem for us. Oh, dear. 
That sounds like something I would say, like sarcastically. Oh, dear. Or like Andy Reid would say. Sarcastic. I want to know how the hell he, he was able to gear up for an interview then. My God, he must have really gotten it. I, I mean, I give him credit that he was able to land a job with that little NFL knowledge. I mean, that's that's like that's borderline impressive. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, of course. Wow. Allegedly, he's an idiot. Borderline impressive. Borderline impressive. I cannot wait to read the article and we will talk about it on Wednesday for sure. Yep, absolutely. But without further ado, it's time. It's it is time. time. The NHL trade deadline is passed at, uh, I guess, 3 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock my time in uh, Mountain Time. And there were some trades that went down, let me tell you. Yeah. I mean, the, biggest, was... the biggest trades happened over the weekend. Yes. Yeah, and and – so I think what, what the plan is, is we're just going to give a bunch of winners and, uh, and losers for, um, for the trade deadline as it, as it was. But yes, of course, um, there were also trades that happened over the weekend. So those will also be most certainly uh, considered when, uh, when analyzing the, uh, the deadline. Of course, you know, you had the trades of uh, Hampus Lindholm going to, to Boston and, of course, uh, Claude Giroux going to the Florida Panthers. And then last week, last week, which I'll be flat out open, honest, the Ben Sherratt deal that occurred on Wednesday did not know that Ben Sherratt was traded to Florida until Friday. I heard (laughs) nothing about it. I heard a little bit about it. I was like, Oh, well, that's nice. I guess. Well, well, I had, I have a valid excuse as to what, just to why I didn't know. I actually had my phone completely off Wednesday night. I turned it off completely. It's my, um, my lady friend's uh, birthday. We went out for her birthday Wednesday night. So I just turned my phone off. I just, I just need to disconnect completely. So forgive me for not knowing that. Ben how could, Chirot you, was, how could was, you not know? There is yeah, a pick right? that came from the Rangers in this trade. Oh, how, how, how could I forget? Oh, terrible. But yeah, I had, I had literally no idea, literally no idea that Ben Sherat was dealt on Wednesday until Friday, whole four, eight hours. I, I said to myself, I said, cause I was like, I was just, you know, starting to do my column um, on this, which by the way, talkingpointsports.com, you can, uh, you can go look at the, the full article there. And I was, you know, putting some pieces together, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, get the foundation for it going. And one of the things that I wanted to put in there was, you know, was was Ben Sherratt. And so I put him in Google, blah, 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 blah. And one thing led to another. I saw a defense for the Florida Panthers. I literally was like, when did this happen? <laughs> I felt like the stupidest idiot in the room. Actually, this I saw is the, that. This is the fourth round pick. I think this is the fourth round pick that the Panthers got for Frank Fratrano that was traded in the Ben Sherratt deal. You mean King Frank Fratrano? I'm just saying. King Ver- score against the Carolina Hurricanes. I love Frank Fratrano. Listen, regardless of who the winner and loser is, we are talking about what the Rangers did in this trade deadline. Oh, I mean, if you want, if you want me to just start it off, I mean, I was going to say the Rangers are clear winners. They are clear winners. They got a solid defensive defenseman. Yep. They got a guy for their bottom six that can play center, mm-hmm. which is ideal. Yep. So you, they got their third line center. That's what they got, mm-hmm. basically, in Andrew Cobb. Yep. And they got a grinder guy who can score goals, maybe, in Frank Fratrano. And, and, and you can't you can't forget to uh, Tyler Mott as well. Yes, and a good winger in his own right. Yeah, who could play? He could play on the left wing. He can he can play at center. I think with the um, can you play the, that on the right wing because that's what the Rangers need. Yeah, yeah, you you ain't kidding. Um, you know what? I, I I kind of I kind of think you know quite honestly that with what the Rangers did today, they did they did a couple of things. Like you said, Adam, there were three things that the Rangers had to do today. One. They had to improve the bottom six. Check. Two, they had to get winger help. Check. Did that. See, 
Three, they had to improve defensively. Check. Did that. With Cop, he's definitely he definitely slides in when this team is fully healthy. He slides in as your third center. No doubt about it. Now, I, I wonder if this means they push Phil Heedle out to the wing. Permanently? Not permanent, not permanently, because Cop is a is he's a rental. And it, it screams to me that Heedle is a prime candidate to just be dealt in the summer anyway. But for the time being, Cop could come in and, and be that third line center. I, I wonder if the Rangers do try Cop as the right wing on the line of Strom and Panarin, or do they try Cop in the center and push Strom out to right wing and try Panarin on the left, Cop in the middle, Strom on the right? See, that's Until weird. Until Kako comes back. That's weird. Because I think you have to know, I don't know. I mean, I get you need to see what you have with Cop, and you already know that Strom is good as a center. But, like, you're looking to sign one of those guys in the offseason. They're both going to be unrestricted free agents. See, I don't know. I, I, don't, I mean, yes, ideally they're going to try and re-sign one, if not both. But with the Rangers' cap situation and how bad it is, it's going to be tough. It's, it's, de- it's definitely yeah. going to be, it's definitely going to be tough. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Rangers didn't go out and potentially try and pay a big price for Ricard Raquel who went to Pittsburgh. And then a, a guy we'll be talking about later. Cause I, I do want to definitely uh, talk about the Colorado avalanche and, and the job that they did today, but with Arturi Lekkanen, Arturi Lekkanen was, has been linked to the Rangers for the better part of the last month and a half, if not two months given the Jeff Gordon relationship with Chris Drury and, and, and all of that. But Arturi Lekkanen went to, went to the Avs. And one of the reasons why that Drury was not going to pay what the Avs paid for, for Lekkanen, which was a high-level prospect in Justin Barron and a second-round pick, was because he knew that at the, during the offseason, he was going to have to make a choice. Pay Arturi Lekkanen or pay your second center, which they want to be Ryan Strom. And he decided, you know what, we're going to hold our hat on the hope that maybe we can get Ryan Strom under contract. And we're good with take with getting a hold of, of two guys that are probably good fits for the bottom six and are definitely players that are made for the playoffs in, uh, in Andrew Kopp and, and, and Tyler Mott. And yeah. I also want to point out one thing too with the, with, with uh, Justin Brown, because Braun. I heard. I've heard Brown. He says it. He says it's Brown, but I've heard he says it, it's it, Brown. I heard they were talking. They were saying on ESPN say it was Justin Brown. Do people on ESPN like not know how? Don't they, don't they get like phonetic spellings for names like that? I, I guess. I guess so. When I it, when I interned at Fox, so here's a here's a, a peak. Whatever. So when I interned at Fox, they said if there's a name that you don't think people will know how to pronounce write it phonetically to help the anchors pronounce it. Why don't they do that? Very good question. You have to ask, ask John Butchergrass that, but I, it's spelled like broad, but it, literally everyone on ESPN today was saying brown, 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 brown. So I've been saying brown. If it's brown, it would be spelled like the color. But he could pronounce it differently. He could, but I don't know. I've heard it said as Justin Braun. So I'm going to go with Justin okay. Braun. All right. So if you're going to go with Justin Braun, I'll go with Justin Braun. But I did hear it as Justin Brown. Justin Braun. Braun. Sounds weird because they're saying Brown all day. I think there's two things that they can do with him. One, which is the option that I hope they do, is put him ahead of Patrick Nemeth. And you have two right-handed shots on your third defensive pairing with Braden Schneider and Justin Braun. That's option one. Number two, you put Justin Braun ahead of Braden Schneider and you have Justin Braun playing with Patrick Nemeth. I hope to God it's the first one. The second one, I think it would piss a lot of people off, myself included, because I think Braden Well, you Schneider- know that speaking of guys whose name we don't know how to pronounce, I think Gerard Gallant doesn't really like play. I don't think, I think Gerard Gallant really likes Patrick Nemeth for some reason. Well, Patrick Nemeth, I don't think he's done anything wrong. I think I think it's that's, that's also why Patrick Nemeth is playing. Really? He hasn't as, done anything wrong. Are you sure about that? Are in you... the in the eyes of Chris Drury and Gerard Gallant, I don't think that 
Patrick Nemeth has done anything wrong for them. Like has Patrick has Patrick Nemeth cost the Rangers single handedly a game? No. Was was no. Patrick Nemeth was Patrick Nemeth responsible for the Rangers' utter capitulation against the St. Louis Blues? No. No, he wasn't. Was Patrick Nemeth responsible for the New York Rangers just not coming out of the dressing room in the third period against Carolina on Sunday night? No. He's been serviceable. His contract is, is a disgrace. For we're going to have to see him for the blue shirt, the blue shirts for two more years unless Chris Drury can work some magic and and have someone take that contract in in, in the offseason. But I honestly, I really do not think that Gerard Gallant and Chris Drury see. Patrick Nemeth the way that most Rangers fans do. I mean, maybe my perspective is being colored by Ryan and Greg here because they have an immense hatred. Their hatred for Patrick Nemeth burns with the intensity of a thousand suns. I don't think Patrick Nemeth is that good. I, I, no, I, he's I not. I don't. I don't think he's that good. But this is the this is the objective side of me. But here's the thing: it. you have you have all these young defensemen. You have Nils. You have Zach Jones. You have Braden Schneider, and you're going to be playing a guy that we know who Patrick Nemeth is. We don't know who we have with Zach Jones and Braden Schneider and Nils. So what the fuck? Well, and, and, if, and if you want to go even deeper, you could you could just start you know throwing out there Matthew Robertson as well. Yeah, exactly. Le- Libor Hayek. I mean, even though we do know who Libor Hayek is, and he's just absolutely terrible, but at least at least, at least just like you know, right. something there. But uh, yeah, I agree. You know what Patrick Nemeth is. So that's why I would want to see Justin Braun playing alongside Braden Schneider because I think Braden Schneider is really good. I think Braden Schneider has a place on this Rangers team in three, four years. I think it, probably you're looking at him being a top four defenseman. Maybe Here's the thing. Maybe he's also, the heir, he's the heir to Jacob Truba when the Rangers have to make a decision in two years' time on you have to move some salary between Jacob Truba and Chris Kreider when there are no movement clauses that expire and you're able to move those contracts on willingly, does that come into play that maybe Jacob Truba becomes expendable because you have a guy like Braden Schneider that could very easily step up and replace what Jacob Truba does on the ice? In the, in the locker room, completely different story because Jacob Truba is loved in, in, in the Rangers locker room. Future captain. Maybe. Uh, it's Chris Kreider. It's Chris Kreider. Yeah. I've, I've kind of settled on that one. No, but uh, so what I was going to say before is that Justin Braun also, you're kind of, if you keep, if you play him with Patrick Nemeth and you don't play the kids with him, you know, it's kind of wasting opportunity to help them develop, especially for defensive defensemen, you know, that young defensive defenseman that you're trying to bring up in the system, like a Zach Jones, for example, Yeah, where Justin Braun would be a great mentor for, for him, you know, take it take them under your wing. We're going to learn on the, on the bottom pair together. Yeah. But you, I also think you don't want to be in the position where you have to rely on Braun. I don't think you want to have to be in the position where you have to rely on them. Well, you're not relying on him. You're he's in the bottom pair. Well, that's it. I mean, eventually, eventually, you know, I, I would go on out on a limb and say, just because we have Rangers have what they have 19 games left in their season. Something's going to happen eventually where, you know, there might be an injury or something like that 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 happens, and then Braun will have to be called called into action. Everything that I've seen, you know, from from people that are uh, that work, you know, for the Flyers as as beat reporters and whatever, you know, they haven't really had anything bad to say about Braun. He's just very very responsible. Doesn't make any any bad decisions or anything like that. Solid on the puck, pretty good defensively. That's all you need. That's all you need from from a sixth or seventh D man. Which Braun is coming into into New York to uh, to to be? Yeah, exactly. Um, any other thoughts on the Rangers? Uh, very surprised they did not deal Vitaly Krasov and Nils Lundqvist today. Very surprised. Yeah, and also I'm I'm kind of happy. I don't know if I'm happy. I am kind of happy that they didn't deal Alexander Georgiev either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what were you realistically going to deal him for? A draft pick, a draft well, you pick, know, and and then what do you do? You have you you call up Keith, even though I love Keith, but you know, it doesn't. At the same time, and 
it doesn't really matter who the backup goaltender is to this New York Rangers team, this current version of the New York Rangers team. Because if we if, if Igor Shesterkin gets hurt, we're fucked. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Alexander Georgiev, whether it's Keith Kincaid, whether it was going to be um, uh, Carter Hutton or Mark Andre Fleury or Semyon Varlamov. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Can you imagine if the Rangers got Mark Andre Fleury with what cap space? Well, we had thirty three million in cap space today, but th- besides besides the point, if we lose Igor, we're we're fucked. We're fucked. I mean, that, no, that, that no, just... they're going to call up Tyler Wall, and he's going to be the uh, the heir apparent. Oh yeah, of course, of course, we are fucked if we lose Igor. So it really didn't matter who our backup was, and so I'm I'm kind of glad that the Rangers just didn't didn't really try and address the position. Your give is fine, fine till the summer. You only maybe will see him. If there are 19 games left. You'll probably only see him four or five more times anyway, and then you know when once you get to the playoffs, it's all Igor. And then you get to the summer and then you try and find a resolution for, uh, for Georgiev. Well, I think that this is more to use a, a soccer term. He, uh, Alexander Georgiev is uh, putting himself in the shop window, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And there are going to be plenty of teams that'll need, uh, that'll need goaltending one that we will get to uh, that. I am absolutely floored that they did not make a trade for a goaltender today. Absolutely on the floor. Can't believe that they didn't. Do they play in the same time zone as me? Because I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, do they play in the same time time zone as you? Oh well, if you have to question it, then maybe not. I don't think they do. I don't think they do. They do. They do play in a different country. No, I think Edmonton. I think Alberta is in Mountain Time. Oh no, I wasn't talking about Edmonton. Or Calgary, well, Calgary doesn't need one. Who are you talking about? Toronto. Toronto is fine. No, they're not. They have oh. a, well. Oh, Jack no, they're Campbell, not. If Jack Campbell comes back, they're fine. Jack Campbell has been terrible. Jack Campbell has been terrible. Peter Morazic has been terrible. They trade. They, tra- they cleared waivers. Well, they tried. Listen, they went out and they got Carter Houghton. They made an attempt to get Mark Andre Fleury when you had Kyle Dubas, who went on ESPN today blasting Blackhawks general manager Kyle Crawford for Davidson. him coming out and basically saying, oh, yeah, well, we almost had we, – we tried to do a deal with Toronto, but they didn't want to do anything. Like, hey, thanks. I know. Can you imagine – you're a new GM. You're Kyle Davidson. You're a new GM. And, you know, you were, you were the interim GM and you got made full-time. You're going to just call out Kyle Dubas like that? Yeah, that's like, that's like how to never get a deal done with another general manager ever again. If you well, are, if you're yeah. Kyle Crawford, I think the other thing is that uh, Eric Shalgren, who they picked up on an emergency loan, like he's been pretty solid for them. He's been like really good for them in the past couple of games. Yeah, since he's since he's been called up, he's been he's been he's been solid. He's I mean, been better. Listen, he's been better than Morazic. Morazic has been terrible. And I honestly, I want to say too, the Toronto Maple Leafs do not get blasted enough for how absolutely terrible. That trade was Morazic for Freddie Anderson. Freddie Anderson is the reason why. Well, I don't want to say the reason. That wasn't why. a trade. Hurricane, the Hurricanes are really good, but Freddie Anderson has been absolutely huge for the Carolina Hurricanes. If it wasn't for Igor Shesterkin in the year that he's had, you could make a real case that Freddie Anderson could be the front runner for the Vezina. Was that a was that a metaphorical trade? Because both of them signed in free agency. No, was it? Were they free agents? Yeah. Can you or imagine that they, they just if, swap goalies? Is that what it was? Well, no, in any event, in any event, the Maple Leafs chose Peter Morazic over Freddie Anderson, which is terrible. Well, granted, Freddie Anderson, he was getting shelled in the AHL at sure. that point. Sure. So that maybe it's just Toronto and, and, and he Toronto was hurt. Was cursed. Toronto might be cursed. That's 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 a fact. Hey, Jack but, Campbell. Jack Campbell had his had his run of magic at the end of the year, and then started off well, and then it's just all kind of fallen apart. But I mean, quite honestly, though, you you look at the rest of the, the goaltenders that are going to be in these playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Just just going down the list, Tampa Bay they have Vasilevsky, 
Boston, they have combination of Linus Olmark and Swayman. Um, the Capitals, they have Samsonov. The Rangers have Shesterkin. The Penguins have Tristan Jari, who historically has been great in the playoffs. The Carolina Except Hurricanes for last year. have Freddie Anderson. Except for last year, yes. But historically, Tristan Jari has been very, very good in, in the playoffs. The Florida Panthers have, have Bob, who has had his moments as well, where he's been eh, and he's been pretty solid. And they have well, Spencer Knight also backing him up. Yeah, and and, and they also have, have Spencer Knight. But you look at all those teams in, in the Eastern Conference, they all have really good, really reliable goaltending, except for one, Toronto. Yeah, I mean, also think and about it. Shows, it. And it shows. They're 4-4-1 in their last nine. Right. So I think that for, for Freddie, you know, I listened to this one Maple Leaf podcast full of Torontonians that are all Maple Leafs fans. Um, so I do have kind of a, not, I wouldn't say insider, but like, you know, I, I know about this. You pay more, more attention to this Toronto yes. Maple Leafs than most more, other than more than a neutral observer would. Right. And so also with that in mind, even then, like Freddie Anderson, he's still good. I think he's good really because of the defense, honestly, and the structure in Carolina. Because, I mean, look at Najokovic, for example. Najokovic has been a dumpster fire this season in Detroit. It's fair. And uh, uh, Peter Morazic, you know, he just – Peter Morazic has always been kind of shaky. Yeah, I was going to say, Peter Morazic really wasn't that good in Carolina either. But Freddie Anderson, going from a guy that was hurt last year, or the last, the better part of two years, basically, and getting shelled and conditioning since the AHL and being your second, third, maybe even fourth starter in the playoffs, where the team, where the Maple Leafs had to trade for David Riddick to try and get some insurance. I just don't, I don't think. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say it's kind of like a mirage with Freddie Anderson, but the, the hurricanes themselves are a really good team. Not to take anything away, but I think that Peter Morazic would probably be, I don't know if he would be just as good as what Freddie is now, but I think he, he's still good. He would be very serviceable if he was playing for the hurricanes with that defense in front of him. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point when you have a defensive core that features Ethan bear, who I love a lot. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, who I absolutely adore, Jake Gardner, Brett Pesci, Brady Shea, Jacob Slavin, Brendan Smith, who I absolutely adore. I mean, that's that's a heck of a defensive group, and 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 then you you know you bring in the forwards as well that just score it well. Yeah, I mean Carol, Carolina, that you have to definitely say they're one of the front runners to win the Eastern Conference for for sure. And from a from a real uh, fan Rangers point of view, I. Very nervous at the the thought of having to go up against Carolina just by looking at the way that we played them on Sunday. They completely ran. Oh my god, that third period was a horror show. And at Carolina, they, they are a great team. And putting putting all you know bias aside as well, when you look at the Eastern Conference as as a whole, you start to just imagine matchups that you know would would, you know, just kind of really make you say, oh, you know, what what kind of matchups would you really want to see in, in in the Eastern Conference? One of those matchups that I am just absolutely dying to see would be the Carolina Hurricanes going up against the Florida Panthers, going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, maybe even going up against the Toronto Maple Leafs, just because those are four really, really, really good teams that I would really want to see play each other, especially the Hurricanes going up against the, the Florida Panthers, two of probably the best teams right now to watch in the National Hockey League, the Panthers and, and the Hurricanes. That's a matchup that I would absolutely love to see if, if that was going to come to fruition. So, yeah, I mean, the Hur- the Hurricanes, and I give full credit as well to to Rod Brendamore with what he's been able to uh, to do there. I mean, that is a well-oiled machine in, uh, in, in Carolina, and it really does start with their defense and then it goes to their forward group and their ability to put the, uh, put the puck in the net. 
and going from you know one team that could put the puck in the back of the net to another, as previously mentioned, the Florida Panthers. Oh my God! I mean, what a job that general manager Bill Zito was able to do in, in this trading period. Adam going out and getting Ben Sherratt, and then going out and getting Claude Giroux. I mean, this is a team already. They lead. They lead the league in goals. They lead the league in plus minus as well with a plus seventy four. I believe that they've scored somewhere in the range of 252 goals this year. I think it is something, something along those lines. Um, but the Florida Panthers, they, they 254 goals. 254? Goals okay. Yeah. 254. They, they've completely catapulted themselves to being, I know we mentioned the, the hurricanes as being, you know, the team to beat in the East, but I, the Florida Panthers are right there. They're, they are right there. And again, you know, that Panther, Panthers Hurricanes potential Easter Conference final would be. Well, that would be the only way that they can meet in the playoffs would be the Eastern Conference final. Right. Right. Would be unbelievable. That would be an unbelievable series. But before before, you know, I get your thoughts about uh, the, the Panthers, the current NHL playoff format. Yay or nay? I don't like it. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I like the thought, the idea, the intention behind it, which was to, you know, invigorate rivalries, yada, yada, yada. But I think that it really puts teams that are in a stacked division like the Metropolitan and like the Atlantic in a disadvantageous position where only four teams or maybe a maximum of five teams make it from one division. It just doesn't make any sense. Just have the best eight teams in each conference. Agreed. That's it. That's easy. Agreed. Easy. Done. And if you want to have a, pl- a play-in tournament like the NBA does, have a play-in tournament. Okay. Cool. Best of three series. Done. Yep. I don't know. I don't know how popular that would be, but if you wanted to have some spice to it, that's the way you do it. But I, I mean, I completely agree. Like you're, you're going to have, you're going to have two, uh, you're going to have four of, just coming from the Atlantic, you have two coming from the Atlantic and then two coming from the Metro that are going to be out after, round one, after hear, round one. Here's some crazy shit. Okay, so let's go through these playoffs. And so the matchups basically would be, um, let's see the wild card, for example. It would, be, it would be Carolina, Carolina against Washington. Yep. And Pittsburgh, then Florida- Pittsburgh versus the Rangers. The Panthers versus the Bruins and the Maple Leafs versus the Lightning. Yes. So you're looking at, and that's just the Eastern Conference. That's just the East. Yeah. And Which is loaded. The East. So here's the thing. What if Toronto, Toronto's like, okay, cool. So we're going to win a round for the first time in our history, for the first time in, since 2004. They wouldn't beat the Lightning, but continue. But hypothetically, if that's yeah, the case. Yeah, hypothetically. Yes. The Lightning exit the playoffs in the first round. You're guaranteed to lose either the Lightning or the Maple Leafs in the first round. You're guaranteed to lose either the Rangers or the Penguins in the first round, when frankly, that should be a second round matchup. Absolutely agree. Absolutely. And moving to the West, I mean, St. Louis and Minnesota would be your two, three in the Central, and then LA and Edmonton, the Gretzky Derby, as your two, three in the Pacific. And then uh, Calgary versus Vegas, probably, or maybe Colorado versus Vegas, and then Calgary versus Nashville. So hey, Colorado we- versus Vegas would be a first round matchup. So one of those teams would go would be eliminated in the first round. It is, yep. just doesn't make any sense. I mean, me personally, if if you are asking me, it's going to come down to the to the Abs or the Flames in the in the West, and also. As the example for divisions, just sorry for kind of cutting you off here. No, 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 you're good. As you're the good. example for divisions, look at the Pacific. It's it's brutal. The Rangers would be we no, yeah, the Rangers would be in first place in the Pacific. Yep. They have 85 points and Calgary has 84. Yeah, they'd be one point above above Calgary. But then outside of Calgary, next best is the Kings at 76. Then you have the Oilers at 74, Knights 72. 
uh, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Anaheim, San Jose. And I mean, the Central isn't any better because Colorado has 93 points, but then second place, St. Louis has 77. Yeah. Which is pretty nuts. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, the Colorado's just run away with the, with the Central. But if, you know, if we were going off of the one versus eight uh, formula that we had in mind, Florida, Washington would be the same. Carolina would play the Bruins. The Rangers would play the Leafs. I mean, the Rangers and the Leafs in the first round, that'd be an unbelievable series. And Pittsburgh would play would play Tampa, which would be another unbelievable series as, as well. Yeah. Based exactly. on the current standings, of course. Right. But uh, Adam, yeah, I'm not a, not, a, not a huge fan of the current playoff structure. No, I'm not either. Adam, a winner or a loser from, uh, from you? Uh, well, we already mentioned the Panthers, so... Yeah, Claude Giroux for them. That's going to be an unbelievable addition. I don't think we talked about uh, that at all. Uh, Sherratt is going to be great for them, especially now with Aaron Eckblad. Going to be out for the rest of the season, rest of the regular season, but he'll be back in the first round of the playoffs. But Giroux is just going to be an unbelievable addition for them. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so a winner for me, tough, tough one. I think, you know, I think the Maple Leafs, honestly, I know you might disagree with me because you think that they need a goaltender. And I think, yeah, it, it would have been nice for them to have a goaltender to kind of tie them over until Jack Campbell returns from injury. But getting a guy, they basically got Jake Muzzin again in Mark Giordano. And they got a guy who can score, who is who can be relied upon to score. We know him very well. In Colin Blackwell, who like when he was on uh, Panarin's wing with uh, on the second line with Strom and Panarin, he was scoring at will. He seemed like he was the only guy scoring on most nights. Yeah, he'll be he'll be viable in their bottom six for sure. Blackwell. Yeah, but- and Giordano is such a is so underrated, and what he brings to that team is you you can't track that. Like, there's no analytics for that. No, but at, this, at the same time, there's only so much that Giordano is going to be able to do. I mean, he'll bring a leadership presence to that locker room for sure that I think I think desperately needs it. But yeah, I, I just can't get past the fact that Toronto is going to go with Campbell and, and Mrazek. Because again, again you, you stack up the goalies in the Eastern Conference. Toronto is dead last in terms of what goalie is going to be capable of you know dragging Toronto through a series, Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic, they're not it. They're well, they not it. need they don't need that. They have the offensive firepower with Tavares, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. I disagree because we, we we've seen it. We've seen it. They have all these pieces. They have Bunting. They have William Nylander. They're four, four, and one in their last nine. They need the defense. That's what Giordano brings. And you're and again, I, I I don't know if if Giordano by himself should come in and fix the problems of, of this team. You need goaltending because there are going to be nights. Like you cannot expect that the the core of Toronto is going to be showing up for minimum four, maximum seven games every single night. We see it with the Rangers all the time. The Rangers will have nights where they are just off. They are not there. And you have Igor Shosturkin that wins them games by himself. Same thing with Alexander Georgiev on Sunday night. He won them that game by himself. The Rangers were awful against Carolina. Absolutely goddamn awful. And they and they won that game. Toronto? Toronto does not win that game with a goal with any other goaltenders in goal. Simple. Simple as that. They are not winning that game. And that's up against a Carolina. What's going to happen when, when they're going up against a, a Tampa? Tampa are going to demolish them because the main difference in that series, Tampa matches them up with the firepower that they have on offense, betters them defensively and completely blows them away in goal with Vasilevsky. Yeah. I mean, it's just unfortunate with the way that the, the playoffs are structured, that that has to be your first round matchup for Toronto. But well, even, I mean, even then, even, even if we did it, did it the way that we talked about with the one to eight, they'd go up against the Rangers. The, the ice would be tilted in the Rangers direction because the Rangers have Igor Shesterkin and the Maple Leafs don't have that guy that can bail them out. No, they don't. And you can't, you for as good as Matthews is, 
for as good as Marner is, for as good as Tavares is, for as Bunting is, so on, so on, so on, you can't rely on them to just show up every single night, especially in the playoffs. They're well, I mean, be that's down the other nights. thing is that they just don't score. Well, they haven't scored in the playoffs. Like Marner has been notoriously bad in the playoffs these past couple of years. Yeah, and that, and that was something that John Tortorella also had pointed out today on, on ESPN. I thought it was a little, a, little, a little harsh, but kind of true that you have to see it from Matthews this year in the playoffs. Same thing like maybe with McDavid if, if Edmonton gets there. Got to get to the dance. We got to see what, what McDavid is able to do in, in the playoffs and how, again, how the Oilers are struggling just get into the, the playoffs with McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins. Just, Darnell Nurse is, is, is pathetic. They too, I mean, you want to talk they, about they too that, need goaltending help. Yeah, I was going to say, you want to talk about a they should have traded for way. Marc-Andre Fleury? I mean, seriously, they should have traded. They should have been blowing up Kyle Davidson's phone. Yeah, they should have. Hey, hey Kyle, it's Ken. it's Ken for the fifth time today. Please give us Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, they should have. Now, it also, I, I, this is also, you know, speculation, but it's quite possible that Mark Andre Fleury said, you know, I don't want to go to Edmonton. Yes. Because he, had, he had first refusal. So he probably submitted a list to Kyle Davidson, and Minnesota was one of the teams that was on the list. That's, all, that's a possibility. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but speaking of Kyle Davidson, I do I do want to say uh, very, very quickly, just a, a winner, the Chicago Blackhawks, I would say that they are winners just for the fact that the Brandon Hagel return, getting two first-round picks for Brandon Hagel is really good. Now, there are people who are going to say that Brandon Hagel, three years left on a $1.5 million contract, that's a guy that you could rebuild around. Yeah, I got it. But you're getting two first round picks in what are supposed to be two very good drafts, 2023 and 2024. That is how you accelerate a rebuild by getting those first round picks in. Brandon Hagel may have, this may be the, the, the highest value that Brandon Hagel is ever going to have in his career. So if you are Kyle, if you're Kyle Crawford, you, you got, you have got to make that deal. If Tampa Bay comes knocking on the door and says, Hey, two first round picks, here you go. You want them. You you have to make that deal as a rebuilding team. And then there's some reports that uh, Jonathan Taze and, and Patrick Kane are none too happy that Brandon Hagel was traded, but it's, it's the nature, it's the nature of the beast. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get to the summer and Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane are not members of the Chicago Blackhawks for much longer. And they just tear it down, rebuild. And it's going to be a long rebuild for, for Chicago. And you want to get as many assets as you possibly can. And two first round picks are going to help you in, in what are supposed to be two, two very deep drafts. So, a uh, good job, good job there from uh, from the Blackhawks for a guy that, you know, quite frankly, cheap, yes, but is this possibly the highest his value is ever going to be? Yes, yes. So really, really good. Yeah, and uh, just to kind of put a bow on the Mark Andre Fleury thing, mm-hmm. uh, according to Cap Friendly, he has a modified no move or modified no trade, and he submits a ten team no trade list. So it would, you know, Brian Burke always likes to make the joke. That if a team, if players submit no trade lists, it's all the Canadian teams in Buffalo, usually. Yeah, pretty much. But I also think, I also think he had a handshake sort of agreement with Chicago that basically revolved around um, you'll get the final say on whatever deal if we do decide to trade you. I believe that it wasn't contractually in there, but I think it was more of like a handshake, wink, wink. Lest he face the wrath of Alan Walsh. Right. Right. You know, just one of those where it's like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll help you out there. Um, Another winner for me, Adam, unless you want to give one. Uh, No, I don't know. I don't have one. Uh, The Bruins. I think the Boston Bruins with uh, Hampus Lindholm, they need, they needed a left shot defenseman desperately. And they got one with Hampus Lindholm. The, Charlie McAvoy has been unbelievable for the Bruins this year. You bring in Hampus Lindholm, boom. That, that solves a lot of the problems. The Bruins, I don't want to say problems, but it definitely gets them another big-bodied, good defenseman on there, and they extend him as well uh, to a big, big, big extension. So he'll be in, he'll be in Boston for, uh, for the foreseeable future. 
good return for the Ducks. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that it was, you know, a bad return at all. They get a first round pick this year, second round pick next year, and then a second round pick in 2024. And then two defensemen, one being John Moore, our, our, our good buddy, John Moore. But yeah, a really, really good deal, I think, for, uh, for, for Boston. I think they really, really, really did well. And again, you know, we, we keep going back to, to the Eastern Conference and, you know, we keep, we keep talking about just how loaded the Eastern Conference is. And I actually, if I, can, if I could find it here. Yeah, okay. So this is just kind of what the contending teams in the Eastern Conference did today. I just want to, you know, go through this really quick. Okay. Carolina, they go out and they get Max Domi. Boston, they go out and they get Hampus Lindholm. Florida goes out and gets uh, Robert Haig, Claude Giroux, Ben Chirot. Toronto, they get Giordano and Colin Blackwell. The Rangers get Tyler Mo- Tyler Motti. Tyler Motti? Tyler Mott. Tyler Mott. Shit. I'm going to get it eventually. And Andrew Kopp and then uh, Justin Braun. The Penguins going out and getting uh, Ricard Raquel, which I think is a really, really, really good move for, for Pittsburgh. Washington going out and getting Marcus Johansson, who I think really, really helps Washington's bottom six. I think that's one one area that Washington needed to improve was in their bottom six, and they do that with uh, with Marcus Johansson, and then Tampa go out and getting uh, and then getting Nick Paul, and then of course um, the uh, the Hagel deal with um, with Chicago. So every last team of the eight teams that are going to be in the playoffs in the Eastern conference got better today. And we didn't even mention Boston going out and getting Josh Brown. I knew there was one more that I did. I did not talk about Josh Brown from, from Ottawa, big, big defenseman that is nasty. And, and he's the he is the perfect, perfect defenseman for the playoffs. When there's a, a chippy little game in there that, you know, requires a little bit of a of, of feist to it. Josh Brown is, is that guy. And I think that's another really, really good addition for uh, for for Boston and Tampa. I also forgot to mention Riley Nash as well, but that's like a minor depth addition. But if you really want to, you know, talk about all the all the additions that the Eastern Conference uh, teams made today, Riley Nash, you would throw throw in there as well. Yeah, one thing with Boston that kind of confused me, and this is not really a trade. Um, it's Jake DeBrusque getting signed to that extension. I was like, what? <laughs> so I thought they were looking to trade him. Yeah. So basically. What the extension does is it makes it actually easier to trade him in the summer. Um, the, the hope is that he decides that he wants to stay in Boston. And, you know, this is kind of like a bridge deal to him getting an even bigger deal. But in the event that he does still want to be traded, they'll be able to trade him in the summer a little bit easier, knowing that, you know, he is extended for the next two seasons. And then, you know, a team can deal with his contract then in, in two years time. And it's a very, very affordable deal as well, formally in the season over the next two for, uh, for DeBrusque. So very, very, very affordable if there's a team that wants to go in there and, and, and get that done with, uh, with Boston. But I mean, listen, Bruce Cassidy on ESPN today, he said that DeBrusque has been very professional about it. He's helping the Bruins. He's getting better and better. Bruins are uh, on a really good run right now. So I, I wasn't surprised that DeBrusque wasn't traded. I was a little bit surprised that he was extended, but then, you know, you start to think about it and then you kind of understand why he would have been a restricted free agent in the summer. Senate signs that extension. You take away that restricted free agent rights. He'll be an unrestricted free agent in two years time and it'll be easier to trade him in the summer. So it makes a lot of sense as to, as to why Boston went out and, and, and did that. My next lose, my loser for the trade deadline is two people. Yeah. It is Phil Kessel and Jacob Chikrin. So which one do you want to start off with first? You want to start with Chickman or you want to start with Kessel? Because Kessel was what I was going to say. Phil, let's go with Phil Kessel. Okay, so here's what I know with Kessel, and I, I heard about both today. With Kessel, the word on the street was that there were teams that were not particularly keen to bring in Kessel for the price that Arizona was asking, which wasn't like it wasn't super high. It was like it was like a mid round pick. For, for Kessel, which teams just deemed high. And the problem with Kessel in the eyes of a lot of teams was that they really want more out of their wings in terms of defensive 
game. And we all know that that's not Phil Kessel. That's just not his game. He is not a two-way player in any sense of the word. Um, so that was something that definitely hurt Phil Kessel and his ability to, uh, to be moved today. But again, I, I really don't know why a team didn't want to jump in on that. Like, like the Rangers. I mean, I'll just keep going back to the Rangers here. The Rangers are one of the worst five-on-five teams in the National Hockey League. Second on the power play, but one of the worst five-on-five teams in the National Hockey League. You want a guy that could put the puck in the back of the net and just do that. That's Phil Kessel. He could put the puck in the back of the net at will. So I, I really don't know why there wasn't a team out there that didn't take a chance on, on Kessel. As for Chikrin, I do know the reason why, and I'll tell you the reason why. So Because he's injured? Part of it. Two months ago, the asking price for Jacob Chikrin was a first-round pick, a player, and a prospect. Two weeks ago, the asking price for Jacob Chikrin was two or three first-round picks, two players, and two prospects. What? The price was huge because Chikrin's been playing out of his mind. Jacob Chikrin has been playing out of his mind. He has been one of the best defensemen in the entire league, just from his offensive output alone. And we all know that teams just love those offensive defensemen. They're, they're, they're sexy. They're like quarterbacks. They're like quarterbacks in the NFL. They are, well, they they are, are quarterbacks. Just, they're just, they're, they're sexy additions. In a way, they are quarterbacks. Yeah. And that, and Chikrin had produced, and Arizona was absolutely in the right to ask for the sun, the moon, and the stars, which they did, which they did. The price changed dramatically, and rightfully so. There was not a team that on Monday, March 21st, was going to pay that price to Arizona. Can that change in the summer? Yes, it can. Can it change in the buildup to the draft if there are uh, things that don't get addressed during a team's free agency run that maybe they look at a guy like Jacob Chikrin to fill in a defensive hole? Yes, absolutely. There is there is that chance. But as of today, the injury didn't help either, but the price was just way too high for a team to consider moving for Jacob Chikrin today. And that is why Chikrin was, was not dealt. Chikrin, I wasn't surprised that he wasn't dealt just because of the price. Kessel, I was absolutely stunned. And, and one more that I'll throw in there that I was a little surprised wasn't dealt either was Calhoun of the Chicago Blackhawks because I really, really thought that he was the best uh, depth defenseman, seventh defenseman, sixth defenseman out there on the market. I thought for sure there was going to be a playoff team that would jump in on him and, and get him. And I was a little surprised that he did not move from, from Chicago today. Yeah. Um, I don't really have anybody else as far as winners and losers. Do you have anybody before we uh, kind of sign off here? Um, I do. I do. I actually want to talk about the, the, uh, the Colorado avalanche because we did not talk about them at all. Uh, the Andrew Cogliano trade is, I think it's great for them. He fills in a spot in their in their bottom six. He could be your extra forward. He could play third line minutes, fourth line minutes, and it costs you a fifth round pick to do it in twenty twenty four. Really good work there from from Joe Sakic. As I mentioned earlier, the Arturi Lekkinen trade for Justin Barron in a twenty twenty four second. This is very simple. Arturi Lekkinen can play anywhere. You want to play him on your second line, you can do it. You want him to play in your third line, he can do it. You want him to play in your fourth line, he can do it. His playoff numbers are very 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 good. He is a do-it-all kind of player. Get in front of the net, can score, is defensively very, very sound. This is the kind of player that Colorado needed to get desperately. And from what I've heard, the plan is going to be to keep Archery Lekin in, in Colorado beyond the season. So that's something that Joe Sackick is going to have to work out in the offseason as he is a restricted free agent. But all in all, I thought a really, really, really good uh, deadline day for uh, for for Colorado, and I know there was one more that I wanted to talk about. Well, the Josh as... Manson trade was also pretty good for Colorado. Yeah, yeah, the Josh Manson trade was also very good for for Colorado. I think they did really really well uh, there as well. I know there was one more that I wanted to talk about um, on my list. Um, it was oh, it was it was Yarn Croc. We 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 did talk about Yarn Croc. Um, a bit. We talked about Giordano. I think I'm, I think I talked about everyone that I wanted to, to, to talk about. Um, oh, oh. And, and of course uh, the Rangers winning the trade deadline with uh, Frank Vetrano for a fourth round pick. Steal, steal. 
steal steal of the trade of the trade deadline season. Yes. Also, me. I think the interesting Hero. thing is uh, the Seattle Kraken basically undoing the expansion draft almost, where yep. they traded away Kali Yonkrock, Mark Giordano. They traded Mason. Yeah, Marcus Johansson. They traded Mason Appleton back to the Winnipeg Jets, mm-hmm. and they traded Jeremy Lausanne to the Nashville Predators. Well, I know what I know about uh, the the Appleton deal was that for the longest time, uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff, even before the expansion draft, the GM in Winnipeg was trying to work out a deal with Ron Francis in Seattle to ensure they did not take uh, Mason, and they they wanted they wanted him in 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 Winnipeg. So, I guess very fitting that. They are able to uh, to bring it back into the fold and uh, into into Winnipeg, and and he'll he'll help he'll help Winnipeg for sure as, a, as like a, as a bottom six sort of guy. Yep. Um, also, the Kings made a couple moves. You know, getting uh, Troy Stetcher from the Detroit Red Wings, and it was a that was a uh, low cost acquisition as well, which I was um, I was a little. A little surprised by, and there there are actually a couple of trades that are still that are still com- that are still coming in, so we can actually uh, go through these two. So the Ducks traded for Evgeny Dadnov in a conditional second for John Moore and the contract of Ryan Kessler. So th- they're the terms that that came out for the Kessler contract. It's John Moore going with Kessler's contract to Vegas. For Evgeny Dadnov and then a conditional second. Well, that's interesting. Yes, I mean, that's yeah. a good that's a good pickup for it's weird because it's like the ducks are buyers and sellers. Because Evgeny Dadanov has as a as a player with upside, I feel like. And the ducks are, I guess they're not quite yet there with their rebuild. Well, I also sort know that his, that his his contract is terrible. And I know that was one that I was really confused when he came over from, I believe it was, it was uh, Florida yep. as to why Vegas absorbed that contract. Cause it's, 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 it's bad. So I was really, really shocked that they, um, that they were able to absorb that, but obviously they trade bad contract for bad contract. If Willie bad contract for dead contract, if we're talking Ryan Kessler. Yeah. At least and, the ducks are getting a got getting a player that's active in the NHL. Fair, fair point. Uh, and then it was a three-team deal for Max Domi, who ends up in Carolina with Tyler and Amoto. The Blue Jackets are getting defenseman Aiden Hreschuk, and then the Florida Panthers are getting Igor Kershkov and then a 2022 sixth. So Max Domi ends up in Carolina. I think it'll be a good addition to their bottom six. Like I, I don't think that Domi is going to be asked to do anything uh, super crazy. Uh, why with Carolina and he'll be, he'll be a very solid addition can play, can play on the wing, can play in center. So he'll be, he'll be a nice, I think valuable piece for, uh, for Rod Brendan Moore. And he's that kind of player that I think every, every team just kind of needs going into the playoffs is like a versatile sort of addition. I think Max Domi is going to be fine in, uh, in Carolina. Just, it didn't work out for him at Columbus. Uh, of course, you know, had the, uh, had a falling out with, uh, with John Tortorella and then it really didn't work for him. Uh, after that, and then now hopefully he'll get a good, a new, a new fresh start in in Carolina playing with uh, playing with Rod Brindamore. You know, talking about the uh, Max Domi trade, it's kind of interesting that you bring this up because I remember last trade deadline there were a lot of double retention trades where teams were so up against the cap they were like, we're going to get another team as a mediator. A mediator. I mean, the Nick Felino trade, which ended up being one of the worst trades I've ever seen because Nick Foligno did absolutely nothing for the Maple Leafs in the playoffs. Yep. But um, that trade was a double retention trade, for example. And um, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but there were a fair amount last year, and there's only the one double retention, double retention trade this year where the Carolina Hurricanes, you know, they're retaining 50%. But the Blue Jackets, kind of like they're like completely off the hook, almost. Yeah. yeah, they are basically completely off the hook, and that was something that I think 
Columbus really wanted to do because they're going to be retooling. If you if you want to say retooling slash rebuilding, yeah, I was. I think another one that I guess you can fall or kind of call a a surprise with today. I was a little bit not you know, really, but I was I was a little bit surprised that you know goaltending needed teams, you know the Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers didn't call Columbus about. Elvis Merce-Leakins, pending UFA, struggled with that big contract that was given out to him in Columbus. I thought for sure that maybe he could have been a guy that, you know, you could audition and have him be a, a rental for the end of the year because he he's lost his starting job to Eunice Corposalo, who has been brilliant for, for Columbus. So I, I really thought that maybe Merce-Leakins was a, like a sleeper sort of guy that could have been moved today. And, and same thing with Semyon Varlamov. Of, of the New York Islanders. I, I thought for sure that maybe a team would have called the Islanders about Varlamov. We, we all know Lou Lamorello stuck in his ways, probably had his phone off on, uh, on this trade deadline Monday. He's like, Hey, uh, Hey Lou, it's Kyle. Shut the fuck up. Kyle yep. hangs up the phone. Clink, clink, clink. Wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised. He was, he was busy. He was busy uh, talking to the agents of, um, of uh, Cal Clutterbuck, who of course got, got his extension today. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, it would have been interesting. We haven't. Uh, okay. So one trade, I feel like that would have been really interesting that never happened. And I don't think it would have ever happened because I'm not an insider. I have no idea, but just for, for pure chaos, Vili Huso being basically fully entrenched as a starter in St. Louis and uh, Doug Armstrong, GM of the blues be like, you know what? Fuck this. We're trading Jordan Bington. You're going to go to another contender. Go win a Stanley Cup or whatever. But that was just pure like speculation kind of bullshitting at this point. But um, yeah, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk podcast. You can find all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Castor. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.